glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. All right, stand again if you would, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 2. And uh, let's, let's go ahead and read down. We'll just read through verse 10. So Matthew 2, beginning verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Thank you. You may be seated. I believe this. I believe joy is found by obtaining what we are pursuing. And that's why the world can't seem to ever lay hold of joy because they pursue pleasure and they find it for a moment and lose it. They pursue happiness and find it for a moment and lose it. Tonight, the wise men had exceeding great joy because they had enough wisdom to pursue the right thing. And then when they found it and got it, it gave them great joy. And that's probably another message for another time. But again, let's kind of remind us what we looked at last week. We focused on the fact that they had seen his star in the east, that the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. And the wise men do not ignore their creator. Wise men acknowledge that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Wise men pay attention to what God has said through creation and what he says in our conscience and respond correctly to that in fear and trust, and these men did. But we also understand that the message of creation and what was in their conscience did not fully lead them to Christ. It got them generally in that direction. I believe this, this account is, if you would, if this is the right terminology, it's like a microcosm of how God deals with people and leading them to faith in Christ. He'll use creation. He'll use what we know naturally. You read that in Romans 1. There are certain things we know naturally. You don't have to crack your Bible open to know that certain things are true. You don't have to open the Bible to know there's a God, that he made you, that you're accountable to him, and that he is working in our lives uh, in, in an active way. Conscience and creation tell you that. But creation and conscience were not enough light to get them all the way to the feet of Jesus Christ. That's what led them to the Scripture. I'll say this. If men will pay attention to creation, if men will listen to the promptings of that in their conscience, they must acknowledge what creation tells them. That's where conscience comes in. Then God will get them to the Scripture and give them more specific revelation. I believe this. Many today have already denied. There's so many have already said, no, we don't want to listen to what creation says, I'll just remind us, all humanity is under the same sun, moon, and stars every day. We all have access to that knowledge. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Night into night utter speech, and day into day knowledge. God's 
creation reveals his existence and reveals even a great deal about who he is, the intelligence and the power and the ability that he has. These wise men did not ignore that. Wise men have not gotten so wise that they can explain that there is no God. Wise men take the evidence and believe the facts and say, we know there's a God and we need to make sure we are responding correctly to him and what he is doing in our midst. And so we saw that last week. But then, having responded to what the, what they saw in creation and the specific knowledge they had about the significance of that star, we have to believe that Old Testament scripture was involved there at least, whether they read it directly or someone communicated what God had prophesied in Old Testament scripture, they had some knowledge of that. But we don't, we don't believe they had any scripture in their own hands. They didn't have that. They had the influence of it until they get to Jerusalem. And so what they saw, what they knew to be true, as far as that star was concerned, they walked in that light, and that led them to Jerusalem, which was the obvious place. If a king's going to be born to the Jews, that's where he's going to be. That's just obvious. The common sense tells you that. Common sense won't save you, because that's not what's going to save you. That may have been common sense, but that's not where the king was. The king was not in Jerusalem. The king was in Bethlehem. And, uh, and it would be Scripture that would reveal that. So let's consider these things tonight here in these ten verses. First of all, have you see the request that they made, verse 2, when they, and the request is going to tell us a number of things about what's going on. We just sang the song. Um, no offense, but some of the Christmas songs need some, they need some work as far as their lyrics go. They're not exactly uh, accurate or where they need to be. Uh, that song we just sang says, When I Was a Seeker. I'm kind of funny about that term. I don't think there are any seekers, amen? If you're seeking God, it's because God has sought you. No man seeketh after God. Now, Acts 17 says that God did certain things if haply we might seek after him. You say, wait a minute. Jesus said, ask and shall be given you, seek and you shall find. Right. But who said that? Jesus, which means he says, I'm seeking you. Now, if you'll seek back, you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you, right? And so God is the initiator. He's on the initiation end. And so having said that, we could say the same thing of the wise men. Who initiated this process between them and God? God did. He put the star in the sky. And he put the conscience in their being. And then he initiated that work to reconcile them to himself, to bring them to faith in his son, and so it is in our lives. And so uh, there's a request, though, they make, and you might call them seekers, but what they're doing is they are responding to God's initiating work. God had worked and given them enough light that they had to pay attention uh, to what it said. How many of you have ever, have ever been given information? Maybe you saw something that grabbed your attention, and you thought, oh, it's meaningless, and later thought, I wish I had paid more attention to that. So maybe you, you, you start your car one day and you hear a little noise in there and you think, that doesn't sound quite right. Oh, it's probably my imagination. And then a week later, your engine blows and you think, ah, I should have paid attention to the knowledge I had, right? And on a far more serious scale, God has given us light and it is very important that we pay attention to the light he gives us. We are accountable for the light we're given uh, and so then these wise men had done that. They had responded like they were given. They're in Jerusalem, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen in his star in the east and are come to worship him. They said, We want to know where's the king. Now when they ask that question, what does this reveal about them? They don't know. It reveals their ignorance. 
It reveals they knew only so much. Now, don't, don't lose me on the first point, if you would. They knew only so much. They knew a king had been born, but they didn't know how to find him. They didn't know where he was. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, get a hold of this. It tells of their ignorance, but it also tells of their intelligence. And I don't mean intellect per se. I mean the intelligence. They had a certain level of knowledge. Meaning this, they had already believed what God had shown them. They didn't say, we think a king has been born. Could you tell us if he has or not? No, there were some things they knew. How did they know that the king of the Jews had been born? They were absolutely certain that star they had seen was the sign of the promised Messiah. The Bible doesn't tell us all the ways they knew that. But God, we know this, it was God that had revealed that to them. God had revealed that. We know that the star was there, but somehow God had interacted in the lives of these people to let them know through, through the perhaps Jews that had been captured and brought into their proximity, perhaps through the writings of Daniel, perhaps through some way they knew that star was symbolic of the king that had been promised. In many parts of that world, it was common knowledge that the Jews were waiting for a king, for a Messiah. That was common knowledge because of the prophecies. And so... They knew that, so they didn't say, can you tell us if a king has been born? They said, we know he's been born, where is he? We just assume he's here in Jerusalem. And so then their question, their request, is based upon what they knew to be true, but reveals there were some things they still didn't know. And you say, what's that have to do anything? You know, I believe this, once God gives you light, don't back up because of darkness. I've heard it said this way, don't question in the darkness what God made clear to you in the light. And so I think we find that with these wise men. They could have gotten to Jerusalem and said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, where did the star go? As far as we know, they couldn't see the star anymore. That may have been their indicator that we're where we're supposed to be. I don't see the star anymore. They end, and they're in Jerusalem where a king would be. But they get to Jerusalem, and I wonder if they expected this. I wonder if they expected to get to Jerusalem and find fanfare and excitement saying, he's born, he's here, the, de- the wait is over. You roll into Jerusalem and you have to ask. May I say this, God will give you certain things through his word and through your conscience that you know he has revealed to be true, you've believed him, but your knowledge of what is true only extends to a certain point. And if we're not careful, we will question in the dark what we have known to be true in the light. The wise men didn't do that. They didn't get to Jerusalem and say, well, is there a king of the Jews? And they say, we know he's born because of the star. We just don't know where he is. So, for instance, the person that has considered creation, they have considered the way God has designed them and the way he hung the stars in the sky and the order with which he has created the universe. And they said, I know there's a God. I just don't know how to know him. They might get to a point in their life and they say, there's so many religions. I thought there was a God. No, 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 no. The person that's going to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is going to say, I may not know how to know him, but I know there's a God. And when God has revealed the truth to us, never repent of the truth that God has shown you to be true, that he's given to you uh, through his word, through speaking to you, through creation, conscience, and we'll see the same with scripture. And so, their request reveals a certain level of intelligence. There were certain things they did know because God had revealed it to them. But there were certain things they still didn't know. They were still in the dark about, well, we know there's a king, but we don't know where he is. 
And so then in the request is also revealed their intention. And this is important for what comes next. They say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we are come to worship him. When you worship, you are acknowledging that whoever you're worshiping is greater than yourself. And in their sense, they would eventually worship him as God, not show, merely showing respect, but they would offer to him their gifts, as you know, their treasures, gold and frankincense and myrrh. We have come to worship him, meaning worship is an attitude of heart. They are looking for what the Lord is doing and looking for the Lord himself not merely out of curiosity, we are coming to approach him as we should, as his subjects, to present ourselves to him at his, at his will to govern over us. May I say this? If you and I are going to get light from God, we must approach him with that attitude. You will never, and this is throughout the Bible, never get light and direction from God with an attitude of, well, if there is a God, let him show himself to me. No, the atheist will go on all his life never knowing there's a God, though there is one. He used to be a man, that, and he may still be around, an atheist, and I couldn't call his name at the moment. He would start a clock running when he started his lectures and say, I give God 20 minutes to prove that he's real. I give God 20 minutes. And he would say, he's got 10 minutes. going to strike me dead. If there's a God, let him prove it. And get his crowd all worked up. And somebody finally answered him and said, you think you can exhaust the patience of God in 20 minutes? <laughs> Somebody knew God and knew how God works. I got news for you. The Bible says that the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes were, were of a wicked and perverse generation because they sought after a, a sign. A sign is, seeking a sign is based on what? Doubt or faith? Doubt. And would Jesus give them a sign? He said, no, there'll be no sign given you but the, prop, the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he was referring to the resurrection. And even in referring to that, he was keeping it masked so they didn't know what he was talking about. There's a danger, there's a danger in not believing God, saying, I don't believe that God is telling the truth. Yes, he's told us some things, but either it's not from God, or I'm not sure I can trust what he's saying. You must be careful, because what the Bible says of Pharaoh, and the Bible says of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, is that they hardened their hearts. But the Bible says at some point, God hardened their hearts. They would not see, so they could not see. It was not that they could not see, so they would not. But because they would not, they could not. The wise men are going to learn something on this trip that Herod the king could not learn. How many of us know Herod tried to find Jesus? Never found him. Why couldn't that seeker find him? Because he was seeking him for the wrong reason. The scribes were, and the Pharisees and the, the, and the priests that were here, they had the same knowledge that the wise men did. They didn't find him either. Why didn't the priests and the scribes find Jesus. Herod didn't find him because he was seeking for the wrong reason. Why didn't the others find him? They never even tried. They were the complacent ones. They knew. They knew that a star had been seen. They knew these wise men were here, had come all the way that long journey just to find the Lord Jesus Christ. You would think that would awaken them to say, this must be the real deal. They knew the scriptures better than the wise men. Just because you know the scriptures well, it doesn't make you wise. That's why I say this point is important. The request they offered tells us what made them wise. They were looking for the Lord for the sole purpose of worshiping him. We recognize his greatness and we want to recognize that to him in person. We want to communicate to him, you are the king, we are your subjects. 
When you approach God that way, you'll find him. Amen? When you approach God's word that way, this is why this questioning and criticism of the Bible and planting question marks about whether or not we have the word of God in the mind of people is so dangerous. It numbs the spiritual senses so that you approach your Bible thinking, well, maybe I'm going to hear from God today. I hope this isn't a mistranslation. That'll kill your spiritual life because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the wondering if he is, but the assurance that you know he is. Not wondering is he a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, but knowing that if I diligently seek him today because he has communicated with me that if I will seek, I'll find, then he will reward the, the, the one that diligently seeks him. And so uh, the, the request revealed their intelligence, their ignorance, and their intention. Number two, upon their request, they get a revelation. All right? How many of you think you could get some direction from God through a man like Herod? I surely wouldn't think so, would you? If I were going to get spiritual direction, I wouldn't go to the Roman Catholic Church. I promise you that. But do you realize some people who are truly and sincerely responding to what God has said to them, they know there's a God and they're trying to find... Here's what happens. Let me try to make this very practical. Somebody thinks that all religion is the same. That all religions just are just a different variety of representation of God. And so one day they, husband and wife, talk and they say, Honey, we, we, need to, we need to get right with God. My conscience is bothering me about the way I'm living. Our children are being brought up the wrong way. You're not living right. I'm not living right. We're treating each other wrong. We need some help. Surely God's the one who can help us. Well, what are we going to do? Well, if you want God, you go to church, right? We're going to go to church. Where are we going to go? Well, there's one right down the street, a great old big one. Let's go down there. And they are sincerely and truly, intently wanting to know who God is and how to have a right relationship with Him, and they walk into some Catholic church, you say, oh no, they're doomed. How many of you believe that even in that cesspool of idolatry, somebody could open the Bible there, quote a scripture, and give those people light? Absolutely. I'm not encouraging doing that. I'm telling you, though, God can overcome the evils of men to answer people who are responding to him by faith. That's exactly what happened right here. In this message, we find these wise men showed up at Jerusalem, a cesspool of idolatry. Jerusalem was overtaken by a pagan king. My understanding from what I've read is that he was an Edomite. He was not a Jew. He had no right to be sitting on that throne, but he was. And he was going to secure it at any cost. Herod the Great, as far as I understand, he murdered anybody that threatened his power, including his own son. My understanding is five days before his own death, he murdered his own son because he felt threatened on his throne. He murdered his wife that he took because he thought she was loyal to the Jews. He murdered hundreds upon hundreds of little babies in the town of Bethlehem. That's all part of the historical account, the kind of... That's the man that you're going to to ask about where Jesus is? <laughs> but God, God intervened because these men were wise enough to believe that the God who hung the stars and had fulfilled a thousands-year-old promise to send a king had done so and they could trust him. Listen this night. This is how you and I must approach our Bible. We must quit approaching our Bible thinking, Oh no, man is sinful. We, man is so sinful we can't get God to communicate through. God has communicated in spite of sinful man. And he knows how to keep his word intact, even though many try to destroy it. And so, their revelation, verse 3, 
When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So they're in town, these wise men, asking around, where's the king of the Jews? Well, Herod thought that's what he was. So he thought, somebody's been born that I need to snuff out, and it troubled him. So I don't think these men were so important that Herod said, oh, dignitaries are in town, invite them over for dinner. No, what happened is they said, we're looking for the king that's been born, and it got his attention. He felt threatened. Verse 4, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, the religious council put together here, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. So he gets, he hears this rumor that these men are in town seeking this king, and he says, okay, now we know there's a Messiah supposed to be coming. Where does it say he's going to be born at? Here's what's amazing. The chief priests and the scribes, did they say, we haven't got a clue, we wouldn't know where that would be found? Or did they know where to find the answers? I'm going to tell you something. False religious leaders know where the answers are. They just don't believe them. You hear me now? Most false teachers, it's not that they don't know this book is true and that they don't know all the answers are in it. They're just not interested in the answers it gives. That's why they're fools uh, professing themselves to be wise. They become fools. So anyway, the, they, they gather this council together, verse 5, and they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And that's found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And it seems here he is trying to gather how old is this king that we're looking for. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. In the revelation, we point out just a few things. Number one, the document that was used to tell them where to go next. The document that was used. At this point, as I understand, Micah lived and was contemporary with Hezekiah the king and two kings prior. So the two kings prior to Hezekiah, that's when Micah prophesied. That means at this time, the document that was used was over 600 years old. Can you imagine tonight having a document in your hand that came from, say, 1375 A.D.? That's about how old that document was then. If you could roll back before the days of Christopher Columbus, that's when Micah 5.2 was written in relation to the wise men. So why do you bring that up? Well, there are people that say today we can't trust the Bible we have because of transmission and translation and all this stuff. All the arguments that are used to discredit the Scripture today could have been used with the wise men as well. Well, men have copied it and copied it. Don't you know when there's multiple copies, it's like playing telephone, right? There's no way that uh, this, for all these hundreds of years, you either think that's the original document, which I highly doubt was in their hands, in fact, it's almost impossible to think that they would have had the original book of Micah. That's just that was not what they had. They had a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And by the way, you couldn't set your, your text type and get it set in stone. Each, each copy was made by hand by men who are fall, flawed and faulty. What if they miscopied it? What if they meant to say Beth Shemesh instead of Beth Leham? <gasps> because, you know, Micah was from Beth Shemesh. I believe that's right. Well, what if he accidentally, the scribe, made a scribal error and he accidentally put the wrong town in there? And what if 
a Bethlehemite got a hold of the book of Micah and wanted to put Bethlehem on the map, and so he wrote Bethlehem in. You know there are scribal errors like that. There are additions to text and footnotes. You know that, right? Now, if you've ever read on the subject, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The things men do to discredit what the Bible says because they don't want to believe what it says. And here's what, here's what I'm trying to say. All the foolhardy, hard-hearted, scornful excuses that are made today for dismissing the Bible could have and probably were made in the same days as these wise men. Wise men don't get caught up with excusing the Word of God. Wise men pay attention to the Word of God. Wise men do not look for and find so-called scribal errors to dismiss what the Word of God plainly states. Wise men say, if it says Bethlehem, that's where it's at. Here's what fools do. They hang up in Jerusalem and say, we thought we were going the right way, but now we've got to rely on a 700-year-old document that's been handled by who knows how many men, and there's no way we can trust it. Nothing new under the sun, is there? Nothing new under the sun. And so then Satan has for all these years been attacking God's Word, but I don't find any of that here. The scribes pulled out the document, this aged document that's six, seven hundred years old as far as from its original date when it was penned to that day, which tells us again of God's work not only of inspiration but also of preservation. Now please, that doctrine is as clearly preached and taught in the Bible as inspiration. I'm amazed at men today who preach inspiration but will not refuse to preach or believe in preservation. If God is big enough and great enough and powerful enough and wise enough to get His words originally to us through the hands of, of sinful men, then I believe He is wise enough and strong enough to preserve it the same way. Now, I don't have, believe we have to have twice inspiration. Once was enough, He preserved what He inspired. Amen? So my point is this tonight. The scry, I mean, these, these wise men would make a decision based on a document, based on the written Word of God. They got a question. How many verses did they have to tell them to go to Bethlehem? One. What if that one's wrong? By the way, if it's only one, it's not that big of a deal, right? If God only mentioned it in one place, I mean, you know, it's not it's obviously not something of great emphasis to him. May I say this? If there's only one verse that's as clearly written as this verse is, you don't need a whole lot of others. There's only one Bethlehem. It's still in the same place today. <laughs> There's only one place that's Bethlehem. And so what they did have is one verse that was abundantly clear on where to find this newborn king. They had the heavens declaring God's glory combined with old prophecies that told them specifically how and where to find the king of kings. May I say this? When a person says, I wish and desire to worship Jesus Christ, God will direct your every step until you are at His feet because it is the will of God Almighty that every one of us worship Jesus Christ. And when your will gets in line with God's will, you can count on God giving you light through Scripture as to how to do it. Amen? We'll get more into that in just a few moments. So the document they got, the details it gave them, told them specifically, very clear, concise direction where to find the Lord Jesus Christ. The deduction was he's in Bethlehem right now at this moment. Now, the difficulty, and we've mentioned a number of these, they're the only people in Jerusalem interested in this. 
They're in the holiest city on earth. And the king in Jerusalem is not interested in going to Bethlehem. The most religious people in the room, the priests and the scribes, are not saying they're going to go to Bethlehem. It seems like these are the only guys in town and they're foreigners and they're the only ones that are thinking about going to Bethlehem to worship this king. Don't you think they could have looked at the majority of people around them and said, did we miss something? See, when you follow the Bible, you're going to find yourself on a very straight and narrow way. And what can throw us is we can say, well, if what I believe is right, wouldn't more people believe it? Don't you count on it. <laughs> Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto righteousness, and few there be that go in thereat. I don't know how many wise men there was, but I'm assuming compared to the population of, Ju- of Jerusalem, they were in a vast minority. How many other people in Jerusalem were on their way to Bethlehem to worship this king on that night as far as they knew? None. So they did not have any circumstantial evidence around them telling... By the way, the star they had previously seen, at least they could look up and say, well, the star... Nope, it wasn't there either. So you tell me, when they decided to go to Bethlehem, what was the one thing they made their decision based upon? The Scripture. The written Word of God. And that's always enough. We never need more than the revelation of the Word of God. And when the Bible is speaking clearly, let me try to help us tonight. There are things the Bible makes very clear. We say, well, I don't know any other Christians that think that way. Now, be careful. If you start thinking, I'm the most holy Christian I know, and I've got a unique perspective on the Bible. I don't mean that. But there are some things that are specifically and clearly spelled out in the Bible so plainly that there could be no mistake about what it means. But what can throw you is you can say, but I don't really know anybody else that's seeing it that way. Or most people. Maybe you might say, most people don't see it that way. Most worshipers of God are not looking at this this way. On this night, these men, what they had is the Scripture combined with what God had already told them to be true, and that was enough. They didn't they didn't have to say, but the, the, the scribes they don't believe it. And these other people, they're not planning on doing anything about it. Uh, they might have been led to believe that Herod was concerned, but of course he was lying. And so then... The point of this is that though there were circumstances around them that might have made, made it seem that they were coming to some kind of a false conclusion, the Bible was clear. Listen, when the Bible is clear and nothing else around you is, trust the Bible. Amen? The, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm just trying to, to, to clearly lay forward the point When they made the decision to go to Bethlehem, it was based on one thing and one thing alone. Not the character of the men who opened the Bible, but the clarity of what the Bible said. Be careful of this tonight. You start examining too closely any and every person that claims to handle that Bible and know it, you'll get discouraged in a hurry because there are some men tonight who handle the Bible, know it implicitly, but are not born again. Let me ask you this. Do you think the scribes that knew about Micah 5.2 were believers? They were not. But here's here's the amazing thing. There were men who knew the Scriptures better than wise men, but were more foolish than these wise men. Wisdom is not the amount of Scripture you know. Wisdom is the amount that you believe. I'll say that again. Wisdom is not the amount of Bible you know. It's the amount of Bible you believe. I meet people every week, so I've got Bibles in my house. My next question naturally is, do you read them? Oh, yes. My next question naturally is this. Do you believe what you read? Because your Bible does you no good if you read it and know it, but you don't believe it. Better to know and believe one verse than to memorize 500 and not believe one of them. 
The scribes knew the Bible, but they didn't believe it. The wise men knew very little of the Bible, but what they knew they believed. And that made them wise. So then, the document, the details, the deduction, he's in Bethlehem, the difficulty, there were many things around them that might have made that scripture seem untrue. One thing they knew is the God who hung the stars gave Micah chapter 5. And if he hung a star in the sky to signify the birth of the king, certainly what he had written in a book could be trusted. Amen? Amen. So the request they made, the revelation they were given, number three, the response, and that's already really been dealt with. We'll speak to it. Verse 9, when they'd heard the king, they departed. That's pretty simple, isn't it? They heard he's in Bethlehem. They said, then we know where we got to be. We can't tarry in Jerusalem. If he's in Bethlehem, we're going to go. By the way, they were given good counsel. Go search diligently for the child. Now, the reason he said it was bad, but what he told them was right. So they went, and when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Their response was simple. Here's the key. Their response was sincere. Their response was simple, but the response was sincere. And then we know that it was significant. Significant for this reason. When did the star reappear? When they acted by faith on the light they were given. Now go to Psalm 36. I referenced this, I think, last week. Psalm 36. You know, you'll get more light from God when you obey the light you've been given. When we respond to the light we have, I believe He gives us more light. I believe that's the meaning of this verse. Uh, the Bible says in verse uh, Psalm 36, verse 7, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. In the light of God, you're given light. Isn't that something? Yeah, some say, I wish I, I understood more of what God says. I wish I had more assurance. Many times what happens, he's given us light. He's revealed something to be true, and we have questioned it. We've backed off and said, well, I know that's what it says, but well, no more light until we walk in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And what we find here is they received... How, how encouraging do you think the sight of that star was? Some would say this. God's shown me some things, but if he would confirm that it's going to be okay, if he would confirm that the decision I'm going to make is work out, was going to work out good, I'd take the step. No. If God's given you enough light to know what to do, you take the step and then he'll confirm it. Please don't miss this. This is a principle in the Bible. We step in faith first, then the feelings follow. And what happens is God gives us light for decision-making. We know the direction we ought to take. It's very clear from God's Word the direction we need to head. If this, if, let me put it this way. If the wise men had said, well, we hear from the Bible that Bethlehem is where he's at, but we may have made a misjudgment along the line. Uh, maybe we're confused. I mean, nobody else seems excited around here. No one else seems to believe that he's been born. We seem to be the only ones. Herod the king seems to believe it, but we're not sure about that guy. And it doesn't line up that he would believe in. But anyway, uh, you know, they might have said, so here's what we'll do. We're going to stay at Jerusalem because that's the obvious place a king would be born. And we're going to stay where it's obviously where he would be until God puts the star over Bethlehem. And when we see the star, then we'll go to Bethlehem. 
they would have never ended up in Bethlehem. The Bible says when they left and headed for Bethlehem, then they saw the star. Can I try to back, back this up? I don't want to just pull something out of my hat. Go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Some would say this, if God would just prove to me that the Bible's true, I'd believe it. He's already proved it. God has already taken time to prove that the Bible's true. There's no need to question that anymore. John chapter 5, there was never a reason to question in the first place, by the way. John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Meaning, saying, my mind is clear enough to make judgments because I'm dead to my own will. I'm willing to do His will, therefore I have just judgment. Now, John chapter 7, verse 17. John chapter 7, verse 17, same principle. If any man will do his will, he will know, he shall know. Now, if you just stopped and read that alone, they don't because you want to read the whole verse. But that's the context of the verse. If any man will do his will, he shall know. The Bible doesn't say if any man will know, he shall do his will. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Got a question. Was it the will of God for those wise men to leave the east, come all the way to Bethlehem and worship Jesus Christ? That's why he hung that star where he did. He put it there so they could see it and he, they could know there's a God in heaven who is interested in the affairs of men and I've given you enough knowledge to know I have fulfilled my promise to mankind. I fulfilled my promise to the Jews and sent the king I've been promising all these years. The promised seed, they saw that, believed what God said to them and said, we're willing to do his will. And in so doing, guess what God did? He gave them light until he put them right where, they, in, where he intended them to be. There, you say, some today, they, 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 they can't worship the Lord Jesus because they just can't see it's true. No, if they would worship him, they would see it's true. If people would do the will of God and say, you know what? I am willing to do whatever God tells me. If he'll show me what his mind is, he'll show you. And so that's what we see in these men, that their, their decision was significant. So here's what it tells me. The scribes and the priests, you know what they were not willing to do? They must not have been willing to worship the king. You know how I know? Because they didn't go and do it. They had enough light to. They had enough light. You know what? The average person in this town has enough light to be a worshiper of Jesus Christ right now if they wanted to be. And they're not because they don't want to be. Here's, you say, why is, it, why is it important to us? Sometimes we feel that if we could explain the gospel better. Now, we need to be faithful with the gospel. Don't misunderstand me. But if we could give it better explanation, more would believe it. No, no, believing the gospel is a matter of the will, not a matter of the intellect. God has revealed the truth enough that we can believe what he's told us. And so here's these men. Their, their decision revealed some things about the people around them. It reveals the fact that you can know the Bible inside and out and die and go to hell. The, the scribes and the priests, they knew the truth about a promised Messiah. They had the evidence of other people around them believing it. And on their way to worship him, they had the scripture in front of their face. Knew it so much that when asked, they could point you to the point in scripture without chapter verse divisions and say, this is what says where he'll be. They knew where the Savior would be born. Had they heard nothing? Had they heard nothing whatsoever about some events taking place over Bethlehem way? Had no one in Jerusalem heard about the little baby that was brought and circumcised after his birth? You realize Jesus at this point had already been in Jerusalem? He had already been there. His parents had brought him and, and dedicated him to the Lord in the temple by this point. My point is this. The wise men were wise because of the way they responded to the Word of God. 
No different today. So then the decision was simple. It was sincere. Therefore, it was significant. I'll give you one more verse on this point, principle of the will determining the, the light of the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the will. I'm willing to let God do with me whatever he wants. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may what? Prove. It means know with certainty. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? You'll never get to the end of Romans 12, 2 without going through the front of Romans 12, 1. <laughs> You'll never be able to prove what is the will of God for your life unless you're willing first to do it. You cannot say, Lord, if you'll tell me how much the check is going to cost, I'll fill it out and sign it. You sign it and let him fill it out. You say, whoo, that's called trust. Trust. Amen? Trust in the Lord. Listen to this now. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. What comes first? Knowledge or trust? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all my ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. God says, I'll direct you if you trust me. What we often say is, if you'll direct me, then I'll trust you. We get it backwards. If you'll show me exactly where you're taking me, I'll trust you. He says, I'm going to show you where I'll take you, and you trust me, and then, then you'll get light. You trust me first, and then I'll show you more. You trust what I've told you. Some say, well, that's called blind faith. No, it's called trusting what he's given me. God's given us light. We trust what he's told us, and then he gives us more. And so then uh, their response, simple, sincere, significant. Number four, they're rejoicing. Verse, verse 10, Matthew 2, verses 9 and 10. All the way back when they left their country... Following that star, what was their one goal? Find the king and worship him. That was it. We have come to worship this king. This is the king God has sent. I believe they understood that. This is not a, a king raised up of his own power. This was heaven's king. They said, we want to worship the one, the king that God has placed over us. Their heart was right with their creator. And so then, verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, Till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. You know what that star was? It was confirmation. It was confirmation. You are where you, I'm leading you where you're supposed to be. How many of you know that after a decision of faith, God often then puts things in your life to confirm you're on the right track? I believe that star certainly is the same star they had seen now they've acted in obedience to the, to the revealed word of God through Scripture and the star is appearing again. Confirmation and clarification which brings consolation. Light gives peace. Light gives peace. And the star was shedding light, not only literal light, but figurative light to say this is exactly God gave them the light they need. His word was a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. Now, the Bible talks about God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. 1 Corinthians 14 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches. It's not the Word of God that confuses us. No, when we obey the Word of God, it gives clarity and consolation. Psalm 119, verse 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. On that night... There was a handful of men, how many there were, these wise men, that knew precisely 
where the king of kings was. They were wise men. Herod the great king didn't even know that. He didn't know, he didn't know where the king was. Boy, if he could have. But God hid Jesus from Herod because he was seeking him for all the wrong reasons. My point is this tonight. They rejoiced. True wisdom brings joy because wisdom not only obtains its goals, wisdom sets forward the right goal. Wisdom says it's the Lord Jesus Christ that is the answer to everything. These men understood. It's like the pearl of great price that Jesus gave the parable about. A man knew that that pearl was so valuable he was willing to sell what he had just to get that one pearl, meaning all his possessions were not of the value of that pearl. And these men said, you know what, it's worth leaving home, it's worth the travel, it's worth all of this just to be able to meet this king and worship him. Worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate goal of mankind. That's the ultimate goal. And only in doing so will you find joy. Fools pursue wealth. Wise men pursue Christ. Fools pursue pleasure, and it evades them on every corner. They find it for a moment, slips out of their hand, and it's promised over here, and you run over and you try it there, and you promised over here, and so you try it there. Wise men, under the direction of God, come and worship Jesus Christ, and He's given preeminence in our lives. Then there's joy. Joy is a fruit of having been led of God in the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You know who it is that the Holy Spirit of God is going to exalt in your heart and mind? He speaks not of himself, he speaks of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our creator, Jesus Christ, our savior, Jesus Christ, our coming king. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Every hunger in the heart of man is fulfilled in one person, Jesus Christ. And that's why there was exceeding great joy when they saw the star. They were on the right track and God himself was confirming it through the star that was above them. I don't know about you tonight. I believe we have a very clear picture of what wisdom is. Wisdom is not pursuing our own goals and attaining them. Wisdom is pursuing the goal that God's put in front of us, and that's the preeminence of Jesus Christ in our lives. Here's the thing. We'll either believe that or not. We'll either believe it or not. Wise men believe it because that's the Word of God. Mm-hmm.